0: Welcome to Mind Love, episode 143. Today's episode is all about
1: alchemy. What you do when you're operating in the higher is actually becoming the light that illumines the darkness. And the illumination of the darkness is what allows things to be seen and consequently transformed or lifted, they would say. That doesn't come from blaming, from shaming, from making things wrong. It actually comes through Reclaiming what has been held in darkness as of the divine so that it can be renowned in a higher way. And the guides say you don't get to cherry pick divinity. You know, God is all things or it can't be at all. That God is everything or God is nothing. So the reclamation of the divine, they say, is what our job is. And that the only real problem that humanity is facing is what they call the denial of the divine.
2: your frequency with mind love bite-sized brain hacks for seekers dreamers and doers it's time to give your mind a little love
1: with your host melissa Monty.
0: hi friends first of all if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet make sure to hit the subscribe button so you're always updated about new episodes Plus, subscribers and reviews are really, really helpful to me, and it's a really easy way to give back if this content is helpful to you. So I just want to give a shout out to someone who left me a recent review that really touched my heart. Katarina says, I have been listening to this podcast for a few months now. Every single episode has been so unbelievably helpful. The insight Melissa has and the authenticity is palpable. I'm grateful for this podcast, what it's helping me heal, and supporting my growth. I love this podcast. Thank you so much, Melissa. Well thank you so much Katerina, it means so much to me to read things like this. So if you're out there and you haven't left a review yet, I would be so appreciative if you did. But of course, sending you all my love either way. And now into the good stuff. Today is an exciting day. Paul Selig is back on the show, and for me it's perfect timing. If you don't remember Paul Selig or you haven't heard of him, he is amazing. In 1987, a spiritual experience left him clairvoyant, and since then, he's established himself as one of the foremost spiritual channels in the world. Actually, he's called one of the greatest contributors to the field of channeled literature working today. So channeled literature, think A Course in Miracles, or Esther Hicks and Abraham, or our recent guest Lee Harris. It's said that as someone channels, they're building a bridge to higher realms. So, needless to say, I just feel really lucky to get to spend another hour with this man who has had such an impact on my spiritual growth. If you've ever doubted that this kind of thing is even possible, Paul Selig will change your mind. He's channeled 8 books already, and most of them he's channeled in front of a live audience. And then his words were just transcribed into a book with no editing. And all of the contents of these books is just mind-blowing. So I figure when the future feels more uncertain than ever, who better to speak with than someone with direct access to the realm of truth and love. And you know what? Let's be real. Speaking of a future that feels more uncertain than ever, since when is our future ever really certain? It's not. Certainty is an illusion. Control is an illusion. I've heard and I've said fear and uncertainty more in 2020 than probably ever in my life. And when you think about it, because the future is always uncertain, the only difference is whether or not we have fear to go along with it. So what if we bring confidence to uncertainty? That itself is a major mindset shift, enough to change your whole perspective of the reality that we're living in. For me, Paul Selig is the voice that helps me do that. It seems every time I'm going to some dark place... He's got a live stream that totally shifts my perspective. And somehow he can perfectly speak to what's going on in the world without ever getting political or even mentioning the issues specifically. And he can do that because he speaks about universal truths. And we forget sometimes that universal truths are still truths when we're going through something we've never experienced before. I don't want to shock you or anything, but the laws of the universe didn't change for 2020. So today we're going to step into the other realm. And I actually got Paul to talk about some of the things he usually doesn't speak about today, like his perspective about specific current events. He is not a political guy, but it's fascinating to hear someone who has such a connection to the spirit world interpret a little of what's going on in the world. So three key things we will learn today are the dangers of claiming fear as a collective, how to dismantle your persona to step into a higher realm, and how to move beyond your limited perspective and into a place of true manifestation. But before we dive in, do you wish you had a little reminder to help you stay aligned each day? Just sign up for The Morning Mind Love for daily inspirational messages right to your inbox. I get messages from people every single day about how The Morning Mind Love is their favorite way to start their day, or that the message that came through is exactly what they needed to hear. It's kind of like your own personal inspiration oracle. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do like a free guided neural affirmation meditation designed to rewire your brain to your highest self. And you'll get one of my favorite tools, a booklet of my personal Powerless, to help you gain clarity and live each day with intention. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Paul Selig back to the show. Hello. So... To get started, I know a lot of people have heard our last interview, which was just around two years ago, and a lot's happened since then. So I'm curious first, as, you are, as you're getting into all of these really deep teachings in these books, how have you felt yourself changing over time?
1: It's hard for me to describe this in some ways. In some ways, my life is continually being altered through this sort of conversation I'm having and these works that are coming through me, you know, but I'm really the radio for this. Now, I always have to say, you know, I'm not a spiritual teacher, I'm not a guru, I don't have any interest in being either of those things. I'm this guy with this very audibility that sits in a chair and takes this strange dictation that comes in the form of books so my life has been deeply challenged you know through this process the book that's coming out in august uh which is just a couple of weeks from now actually was you know dictated during probably the most challenging experiences of my you know the last 10 20 years for me And it was an amazing process and one that I hope I never have to live through again as long as I live. But I was living the teaching of the book. You know, I really was. I was living what they were teaching as they were teaching it. And so my life right now is very odd. I'm a New Yorker and I was channeling in Costa Rica at a retreat uh, in March when New York City shut down and I've never gone home. I'm actually in Hawaii now. I'm coming to you from the island of Maui where I find myself strangely unplanned living a very different life than I ever thought I would. So who knows? Everything's changed. Everything's changed.
0: I got an advanced copy of this book and it's so amazing to me how needed it is for what we're going through as a collective right now. When was this book channeled? Did you see what was coming up in the world or are you realizing how it's unfolding now?
1: The book was channeled last year. um, I think last spring, probably like March, April, May, maybe into June or something. Um, And it was all done in live workshops in front of students and you know workshops around the world some of them were done in live streams some of the lectures that comprise the book the guides have been talking about the level of change that we're undergoing for a number of years and the very first book which was dictated through me 11 years ago now 2009 it was published in 2010 the guides said humanity is at a time of reckoning and then they unpacked what that was which was a facing of ourselves and all of our creations and they also talk about you know this country and the opportunities that we have if we're willing to become malleable to change and they said if you, and they said this 10 years ago and if you don't basically going to have a really rough time and my sense is we're having a really rough time so <laughs> they've they've talked about it and um you know yeah it's uh it's extraordinarily current i did the audiobook here on maui maybe just a month and a half ago because the studios in new york were still closed and i was here so they found a place to record it and that's when i actually sat down and read the whole book aloud you know and that's the first time i really experienced the totality of the book you know as a book and i was surprised at how pertinent it really was and how immediate it felt so they know what they're doing even when i don't and that's the good news
0: You know, I know that before you started channeling, or maybe it was about the same time, you were also, you had that spiritual awakening a long time ago that left you clairvoyant, and I'll link to our previous episode where we really go into that story, but... A lot of people still don't really understand what information comes to someone who is a psychic. And so you're receiving this information through channeling, and you also have your own ability to see a different level of information than some people. How are, do those relate, and how are they different? What's the experience like for each of those?
2: I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in L.A. Then I found Aloe Moves, and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Aloe Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? (laughs) They have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or Reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Aloe Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alloMoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial. And enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alloMoves.com code MINDLOVE. AlloMoves.com code MINDLOVE. If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way EstroControl eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, Women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. Estrocontrol was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month totally not fair. Estrocontrol control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal. So it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for paramenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and control is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com, and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order.
0: And so you're receiving this information through channeling, and you also have your own ability to see a different level of information than some people. Yeah. How are, do those relate, and how are they different? What's the experience like for each of those?
1: They're different. I mean, somebody once explained to me that channeling is a spiritual ability, and psychic is not. Psychic is still sort of bound to this plane of, of manifestation. So I consider myself a radio. My primary gift is clairaudience and then clairsentience, the ability to feel. I have this odd ability to step into other people. And when I do that, I often start to resemble them. So if you ask about your ex-boyfriend or, you know, your grandfather and um, and he's still living, I can step in. I may start to take on his demeanor. And, you know, it's a physical form of mediumship. I work with the living, which is strange, but that's mostly what I do. The channeling for me is taking dictation. I'm literally, if you think of me as a switchboard, the guides plug in, and my job is to deliver, uh, you know, without fixing or editorializing what is being given to me. When I'm reading psychically, your, I'm, I'm still operating basically as a switchboard, but I'm tuned into you. So a part of you is talking to me. You can call it your higher self or whatever you want, telling me what's really going on or the genesis of the problems you may be having in your life. And I'm told I'm quite accurate with this stuff. Um, or the people in your life. So if you're estranged from somebody, I can actually broker a conversation on a higher level. You know that seems to be impactful and and hopefully accurate because I wouldn't want to do this stuff if I wasn't. But I think of them as two different things. When I'm channeling, I'm in service to the guides. I'm there delivering what they want, trying to stay out of the way. When I'm reading the differences, I get to interpret. I get to, I can see things, I can feel things. If I tune into your ex-boyfriend and he shows up shaking a fist, I go, well, that's probably angry. You understand, he's showing up angry. Um, you know? Or if I tune into your, your current boyfriend and he's coming through licking his lips and looking all around, that means he's lusting all over the place. You know? <laughs> so I can interpret what the physicality means or sometimes I'll just hear it directly. I want other people. You know, this isn't satisfying. Okay, well, this is what I'm hearing. And I just render it. Then sometimes the guides will come in with some sage wisdom that I I wouldn't get about how to work with the situation. But I don't feel that the guides that I work with, I don't know that our personal comfort is their priority. They're here to teach. And if we're uncomfortable, probably that means it's because we're having an opportunity for some growth. And that's a good thing, even if we don't like it.
0: There's just something about your books for me that almost every line seems quotable, which is amazing. But one of the quotes that really sat with me, it was towards the beginning, but you said, the gift of the times you sit in, humanity at a crossroads, is the gift of the unknown, the unseen, the unprepared for. How can I prepare for a future when all I have trusted and believed in seems to be falling away? So with that, we're really talking about the uncertainty of everything that's going on right now. And I know so many people are afraid or they're finding it hard to tap into their higher selves because so much of what they known has fallen away. And I know you've been doing a lot of different live stream workshops around this, but what do you find the guides are really saying to us at this moment?
1: This is a time of enormous potential if we allow it to be that. What I suspect we try to do as a way to sort of maintain some semblance of control is to either try to fix things to get them back to what we think they should be or were, or we try to create a frame to try to understand these things that are so challenging to understand. We try to find out who to blame or what to blame or all of these things seem to be ways of sort of grappling with the enormity of what we're beginning to experience. And, I, and it's understandable. I suppose it's human nature. But the guides say, and it may even be part of that quote, and I remember reading that quote in January when I was going, I was really going through it. And And I saw this quote really landed. It was right before COVID hit and it was enormously helpful. But they said, you know, the path is lit as you walk it and not a moment before, you know, the road before you is lit as you walk it. And what that means is we don't have the guarantees that what we think should be there based on prior prescription. We don't know that it will. But what we must, I suspect, begin to do is understand that the opportunity that's being presented here, which is great change, can be beneficial to us if we start attending to it as such. And that doesn't mean blame those people or blame the person next to you or blame the system. It means, you know, everything has the opportunity to be reknown in these times. You know, the guides teach this claim now. They call it Behold, I Make All Things New which is the realization of the divine in what you see. And the guides say this, and it's a very simple way to attend to some of this stuff. And it's challenging, but they say very often, you know, what you damn, damns your back. Mm -hmm. You know, what you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. Who you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. And that's because that's vibrational accord. That's just the law. That's how it works. But they also say what you bless, and they say to bless something is to to, re, to know or to realize the presence of the divine or God or whatever you want to call it, where the thing or situation is, you know, blesses you in response as well. You know, and how we work with this, I suspect, may support whatever we get to experience next. So I think we have to sort of make friends with the unknown and the uncertainty. I don't like to be there. I'm a security junkie. I love to know if I if I found a restaurant that I liked, I would eat it in it every night for the rest of my life, and I wouldn't complain. I you know I like I like my habits and my rituals even when they're not very good for me, and I don't even get that anymore. You know I don't have the luxury of any of that stuff.
0: Yeah, I always joke that. I often will read the last few pages of a book just so I don't have to go through the anxiety while I'm reading it (laughs) Uh that something (laughs) unexpected is going to happen. But it's interesting too because I know one of the things that I've been tuning into that I've learned from this book is trying to align with the idea that what I'm holding on to, what I think that I want is not necessarily in my best interest. And there was a part of the book that said something about making idols of, because you made idols of your relationships or your personalities or your careers when something's taken from you, the God that you prayed to has failed you and you are alone. And so I'm thinking of that and I'm like, what is our life like? What are we idolizing with commerce and with just money and accruing objects rather than trying to find who we really are beneath all of that. And because that's being taken, it might not be such a bad thing.
1: I agree with you. I mean, it's been my experience and may continue to be my experience that, you know, when I get attached to an idea of who I'm supposed to be or what things should look like, I tend to be taught through the release of those things, you know, that's, it becomes a way, you know, when I first got into this stuff, when I was 25, I'd been raised pretty much an atheist. So I thought this was for stupid people, maybe (laughs) people, but no, I wasn't interested really in, in any formal sense. But it came at a time when my world as I'd known it was sort of crashing around me. It was You know, I was, I had just quit drinking. I was, you know, my friends were all dying of AIDS. It was the height of the AIDS epidemic. I was 25. I'd gone from some privilege, you know, I was a year out of Yale um, with a graduate degree to being essentially penniless, you know, in New York. It was a shocking, shocking, shocking time in my life. And also a really astonishingly powerfully life-changing time for me and i look at where i am right now and i'm in it again and i'm really grateful because it's a much gentler experience than that was that was like you know that was like getting dropped on a new planet you know and it wasn't a very happy one and when you know i when i left new york i left for a week my dog was with the sitter I had an apartment in New York that I was letting go of and a new one that I was moving into that I was really kind of proud of my fancy new apartment. I had a suitcase full of clothes and I've been living for for the last four months in tiny houses, rentals, you know, you know, with with basically the essentials. I've been not uncomfortable in that one suitcase. And what I'm finding is I miss the dog. I don't care about the other stuff. Doesn't really matter. And I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do next now. It doesn't really matter. And I'm not an old hippie, you know. I'm somebody that wants a comfortable chair, you know, and like pretty things, you know, in my home. And I don't care. So, you know, I don't care about a lot of the stuff that I thought I should, again. And I'm finding that beautiful and liberating and strange and a little confusing because I keep thinking, well, it's time to go back to New York, you know, time to go get your dog, time to go get your mail. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't know, you know. (laughs) So we're all in this in different ways. I have luxury problems now. I'm on Maui. It's a beautiful place to be and it's been a safe place to be in some challenging times. And New York when I got here was not, and now New York is in pretty good shape and but yeah, what you're talking about is idolatry and what we make our God. You know, if my career is my God or my status in society is my God or my marriage or my partner, if I think my partner is the source of love, I'm probably going to get some hard lessons. If I think that my job is the source of my income, then what happens when the job goes away? And we're being asked in some ways to sort of say, OK, what what is source? What is the source of all things? You know, that's how I understand it.
0: Yeah, and what I keep coming to, and it seems like so many messages from you, from other teachings that I'm learning right now, is just a reminder that all these things that we're idolizing, it's like seeking, making an idol of something outside of ourselves, of something separate from ourselves, when so much of this teaching of alchemy is realizing that we came out of spirit like the waves from the ocean each wave isn't separate it's all one and so we're having like this collective lesson in trying to find that unity instead of the separateness that we've all been living in so often
1: well i hear that's where we're going and i've heard the guides have said i don't know if it's in that book or if they said they're dictating another one right now which is throwing me (laughs) but um you know They've said that humanity has made a collective decision to move forward. And we're doing this collectively because in some ways our survival probably depends on it. And that means moving beyond the idea of separation to moving to the idea of, of unity or union. You know, we're all of the same stuff. We may think differently. We may pray differently. We may have different ways of knowing ourselves in the world. But fundamentally, we are one. And we are one with the source of of what created us. And this isn't a religious teaching at all. That's what they say. And I don't know how this happens yet. It's what they're teaching. And clearly the book that you read is about that. It's about sort of the the reclaiming of our inherent spiritual nature and manifestation. And the key seems to be in manifestation, which means it's experiential. It's not just something you get to think about and say, well, that was interesting. You get to, to have an experience of yourself within the teaching.
0: On one of your live streams, somebody had basically asked, are we moving towards destruction? Some people believe we're (laughs) amongst the apocalypse right now, that there's the option of the planet being destroyed. Or are we moving to this idea of really rebuilding and reconstructing? And you said it doesn't seem that the guides are saying that we're towards destruction, but it's also a possibility. But when you think if everything is of God... Can we even manifest the destruction of the planet as a collective vibration or or is this just an idea?
1: Well, I suspect that the guides would say well everything is just an idea. You're just an idea. The planet is just an idea so, you know, everything the guides say is source in vibration or tone at varying levels of articulation and articulation means, you know, in form matter so and if that wasn't confusing, I'll, I'll try to unpack it if I can, but to try to answer your question, I get that we have choice. So the guides have said, you know, in the past, you know, you're the only, you know, the idea that you build bigger bombs to try to keep yourself more safe is ridiculous that a bomb is going to save you. Bombs are intended to go off. And, you know, I do think that we have choice here. We have free will. When I hear that the collective has chosen, that basically means that at a causal level, we're willing to go on this journey towards something other and not do ourselves in but what the guides would probably when they've said this in the past is that if you choose to do yourselves in, well you'll learn from that you'll learn the futility of having done that because finally we're eternal beings anyway you know this is one form we take one way that we know ourselves but i suspect they would say this isn't the only place we exist and you know we're operating in a higher realm concurrently to this one
2: risk free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com/mindlove. That's drink m n t.com/mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I live in the mountains, and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code MIND, and depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock the special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O dot com and use promo code MIND. That's promo code M-I-N-D.
0: I often think about the collective and this collective vibration that we're aligning with. And it's just funny because I've never really liked team sports because I've never liked the idea of an outcome being yeah. dependent on other people, really. And so yeah. how, how do we get around the idea that, you know, it doesn't or doesn't matter what I'm aligning with necessarily? What if the rest of the world doesn't? Do we feel hopeless? And how do we regain that sense of empowerment?
1: Well, uh, the guides teach this, a lot about this, actually. They say we're operating in an octave, and an octave is the collective reality that we know ourselves, and it has high notes and low notes, or high vibration, low vibration, but it's still operating within an octave, this set of notes that our reality is outpictured in, and everything that we see is of this octave. So we're in a shared reality, and where the New Age, I think, sometimes may, and I could be wrong here, that's what the guides teach, misstep is that we tend to think it's all about us. I create, I create, but we're also in tandem with the collective. So, you know, we collectively agree what a street light means, or we collectively agree what it means to be male and female or what an ocean is. We're in this uh, collective accord. They say accord, A-C-C-O-R-D or A-C-H-O-R-D is on a piano, which is those notes within that octave in an expression. They say, that there's another octave that operates concurrently and higher than the one that we know ourselves in. They say any piece of music can be played in a higher octave, but it needs to be transposed to play at that level. And that once the music is played at that level, what you move into a chord with is translated by nature of your presence. So if you are singing a high C, everything that exists at that level of tone or vibration becomes available to you. When you're no longer operating in the lower octave, you're beginning to call to you those things which cohere or align to that level of tone or vibration. So this is how I understand it. So what the guides are teaching, and they began teaching this in the the Book of Freedom, which was their sixth book, was the claim, I am free, I am free, I am free, and what that really means. And what they say it means is that you're untethering or untying yourself from what collective agreement has been to what is possible. You know, and they've been seeing a lot lately. It's kind of like, you know, we're born into a world where everything is sort of tainted by the energy of fear. Fear is very present here. We're claiming in fear, we agree to fear. You know, we have fear-based institutions, all this stuff. And they say you go to the upper octave and fear is an operative there. You begin to have a different experience of yourself and consequently of everything else. And they actually teach that what happens when you begin to align at that level of vibration is you begin to lift what you encounter to the higher by nature of your presence, because that is what your resonant field is doing. So in some ways, I guess that answers the question, what you do when you're operating in the higher is actually becoming the light that illumines the darkness. And the illumination of the darkness is what allows things to be seen and consequently transformed or lifted, they would say. That doesn't come from blaming, from shaming, from making things wrong. It actually comes through reclaiming what has been held in darkness as of the divine so that it can be renowned in a higher way. And the guides say, and it's tough teachings, and I get it, but they say you don't get to cherry pick divinity. You know, God is all things, or it can't be at all. That's not a teaching that's new to the guides. It's in most structures of of, our teachings and mysticism, even 12 step stuff talks about that. God is everything or God is nothing, you know. So the reclamation of the divine, they say, is what our job is. And that the only real problem that humanity is facing is what they call the denial of the divine, what you put in darkness you put in darkness which calls you there to it blessing and cursing if you wish again what you damn damn's your back so this is how i understand it so the world i this is what they're teaching now in the next book which is just blowing my mind if i get through it um <laughs> they're really teaching of how this happens how consciousness impacts matter and how the world that we see is reclaimed they talk about the kingdom. And they say the kingdom is the awareness of the divine in all manifestation. And then what we're doing when we operate in the higher octave is we claim the kingdom. We bring the kingdom into being by vibrational accord.
0: I feel like I can interpret this in two different ways. In one way, it can be that the world is operating on multiple realms at any given time. And as you rise, you're rising to this new experience of it, while somebody else might be having a dark experience of it and be experiencing the same events just in a lower field. Or I can interpret it as as I'm shining my light, it's like putting a lamp in a dark room. That room isn't dark anymore. So everything around me is being elevated automatically, but it's all still one experience. So I'm rising people up that are experiencing this in darkness and Showing them the light. Which do you interpret it as?
1: My job is to deliver what I hear, and I have my own opinions about some stuff. They said in a teaching just a couple of weeks ago, I think it was in a live stream class, might have been for the book, but the book is being done with some people, you know, present. It's like I can't do it without a witness. They talked about the fact that we're right now in a valley, a shadowed valley, and we are given the opportunity to move beyond that, which means to climb up the side of the mountain, you know, on the other side of the valley. And they, some people, I say, are gonna to wanna to choose to stay in the shadows, learn their lessons there, and they can do that. But what you do is you go up the side of the mountain, you shine the light that you are, and you bring those that are still operating in shadow to the light. You do that through, it's, a, it's really a teaching of co-resonance, not proselytizing or fixing. Now, if you want to use your metaphor, if you bring a lantern into, say, a a dark basement, all the crap that's been buried there, stored there, hiding out in the shadows, all the creepy crawlies, everything's gonna run. And make themselves know, it's not known, it's not necessarily going to be pleasant. But this is the opportunity for things to be seen, things to be reknown. The guides have said, if you've got a dead body in the basement, it's going to stink up the whole house. They're talking about us personally, the things that we deny God in, the, the, the places we hold in ourselves in shadow. The guides say, you know, what you judge and who you judge, you fear. And the action of fear is to claim more fear. And that doesn't mean don't be discerning, because I think there's a big difference between discernment and fear. They said in a dictation this morning, there's a rattlesnake outside. You don't want to step on it. Don't step on the rattlesnake. That's discernment. You don't deny the rattlesnake is there and pretend it's not there. But you don't you're not foolhardy with your choices. So my understanding is that what they're teaching is you become the light the broadcast of your vibrational field begins to well, transmute, to transpose what you see to the higher because the perceiver is the one who claims this. In other words, the idea that God sees God in all things. It's my small self that operates in separation that's very intent on denying the divine or others' ability to be divine because of who they are, what they've done, what I think they are, all that crap. You know, When all that does is bring me back down to that level, it doesn't solve anything, I don't think. So I don't know if this made any sense, but it's the best I can do on my first cup of coffee today.
0: (laughs) No, it makes perfect sense. And it reminds me of a quote in the book that says, everything that's being claimed is being claimed by the collective to grow through. And what worries me sometimes, though, is we know that we have this media that's just so intent on instilling fear. And I see these headlines sometimes that frustrate me where it's like, America's losing fear of the coronavirus and this is, means the worst, like the fear, keeping the fear is somehow going to protect us. But another thing that you say or the guides say in the book is when you align to fear, you align to, the, to an idea of what could be and you actually create from that idea and align to a potential that you would rather not live through. So we're manifesting the worst case scenario the more that we are living in fear. Is that Right.
1: Not necessarily in this case, I want to say, and I've thought a lot about this, but I come, I'm a 50-year-old man. Um, When I was in my early 20s, 21, people started disappearing and dying rapidly all around me in New York City when I was in college and grad school. And in the years beyond that, people were dying of AIDS in weeks and there was no cure. And then they found out that If you have something called safe sex, you might not get sick. And that was prudence. Prudence is not acting in fear. Prudence is being safe. Prudence is being careful, full of care. I think that that's a good thing. And so that's where I come from. So it's not about don't do this or do do that. In my mind, it is about being mindful and aware. So I don't think it's all fear. I agree about the media espousing fear, but I don't think that that doesn't mean one isn't prudent or thoughtful about the well-being. So you know, I'm somebody with an 85 year old mother in New York and I'm overweight and I wish I weren't, but I'm aware of the risks that I take. And I don't think that this is a fake thing. I think it's a real thing. And I think how we attend to this thing is always going to be at the level of consciousness that we hold. This isn't to make anybody wrong. People can choose what they choose. My choice is not about being fearful. It's about trying to maintain a healthy level of discernment. So the choices that I make are wise for me and hope, hopefully, the people that I encounter as well. So that's my thought. So specifically around this kind of thing. But I'm learning, too. I'm learning through all of this as we all are. But, you know, when I channel, I work with the prayer protection. And people say, well, why why are you saying that there's Fearful things out there. And I go, no. Like, my grandma was married four times and she's on the other side. I don't want to get relationship advice from her. She couldn't get it right. So, why do I want to just listen to anybody that wants to talk? I want to work with what's high and best and brightest. You know, that's my hope. Other people may have different experiences and I don't judge and I don't condemn. But that's my feeling. It's not a lot different than having umbrella in the rain. You want to get wet, you can get wet. You don't have to get wet. So. Yeah.
0: It Remi- reminds me of, I use that phrase all the time, what you damn, damns you back from one of the books. I've read all of them at this point. And sometimes I go back and forth. I, I put out a morning email every day for my listeners called The Morning Mind Love, and it's just words of inspiration. And in one of them I had written about how i don't believe in cancel culture because it's damning something you know it's damning people but there's a balance i got some pushback on it from some people who are like no there are some really evil things in the world where's the line of not damning things and recognizing something that some may consider evil i feel like there are a lot of agendas at play in the world right now that are coming to light
1: Again, I don't know that we get to cherry, pick. I, I think it's about what we want to reinforce. And I don't know that hatred ceases with hatred. I really don't think it works that way. That doesn't mean you don't bring the light upon something that's been shrouded. But why you, you do that, you do that, I think, in an awareness of, of the inherent ability that must be there. The guides have said this. You can't lift the evil man to the upper room not possible because you have made him evil or you've decided him or decreed him as evil. I mean, that's what the choice is now if you can get beyond the idea of the man is evil or the appearance of the man or even what he's done you can go to the idea that the divine must be present because god must be present in in everyone or everything and the guides say you know the divine is the divine spark or they call it the christ sometimes is present in every human being you know it may be dormant it may be shrouded it may be hidden but they say it's not that you can't you know murder isn't isn't of God the divine? That's not what they say, but they say the murderer still is, but needs to be renowned, re seen, or you know, reclaimed in his inherent divinity because it's been denied and forgotten. So that's how I understand it. Um, at best, cancel culture the gods haven't spoken about it. Varying opinion, I lost a great deal of family in the Holocaust um, in Germany. My father was a German Jew. Much of his family was was killed. And I understand that they don't keep the Nazi monuments up in Germany for a reason, and I can understand that. But the politics of this is something that I'm actually not engaged in. I do believe that much of what we're seeing in terms of, of activism, is is, is is a way of addressing things that have been unjust for a very long time. And sometimes these things have to be spoken aloud to be heard because it's much easier to deny them. And so I support, you know, a fair amount of what I see going on. Cancel culture is not something that I really looked at, so I, I don't really have opinion around it. Myself and the guides, I don't even know if they know what it is.
0: When we're thinking about everything going on right now and we're kind of grappling with our own fear, one of the lines that really stood out to me also was, you say, I don't want the world to end, but you spend so much of your time in fear of the world and its potential, but you don't do what you can to realize a new world. And so are the guides just talking about really just elevating ourselves personally, or is it going out and being an activist and changing the world in that way?
1: Well, I I think finally that this is a teaching of being, and it's a teaching of being as the true self in a higher way. That's my understanding of this. But that doesn't mean that you won't be called to act, because some are being called to act. I mean, when I... Listen to the guides, and this began about four books ago, I began hearing more and more what I would have thought of as social action in their books, which is, for example, if you've got stuff in your closet that you haven't worn in two years, why do you still have it? Why do you give it to somebody who needs it? And they often do say you are your brother's keeper. You are. And we're accountable to these choices. We really are. So that's how I understand this. Some are called, I I mean, it's finally, it's a teaching of being. There's a claim that the guides work with, which is the claim, I know how I serve. People in our culture tend to think how we serve is what we do, or it's our profession, or it's our this. The the guides say that how one serves is how one is most fully expressed as the true self. That's how I understand it.
0: Mm-hmm. This book talks a lot about the Christ itself, and it said the Christ itself is the action one engages in when she knows who she is. And uh, stop assuming yourself to be other than who you are. You are revealed as what you've always been. And I've really been trying to step into that idea of the Christ itself, and, and even at times when I feel myself in a low vibration, just going to a higher version of myself, and what would she say? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, that's they talk about the upper room that way. The upper room, they say, is the level of consciousness or vibration. They call it Christ mind, Christ consciousness, for lack of a better term. But they say it's a level of vibration that's not operating in fear. Go to the upper room, you know, and that's what this book teaches how to do and how to begin to understand the passage from the lower to the higher. I do think, and the guys have said this, and this may answer one of your questions, And this was in the book of truth, and this was dictated before the last presidential election, which was an interesting time, um, given everything that we know that's happened since. But they say, you know, what we're about to experience is the equivalent of an archaeological dig and things that were buried five days ago and, you know, 5,000 years ago are all being brought to the surface. And the reason for this is so that they can be brought to the light, to be re-seen, to be transformed. Not so that we can blame and condemn and shame, but the idea is that all things can be made new by the realization of the divine. That's what I understand. That doesn't mean we make apologies for things or we pretend they didn't happen. It's not about spiritual bypassing. It's certainly not about pretending that something somebody didn't do something culturally we would disagree with. It's not about that at all. But it is about the opportunity for everything to be reclaimed. And they say, if you look at a backyard, that looks like an archaeological dig, it's a mess. It's a mess, and it's going to be a mess for a little while because there is great opportunity that comes from this. So that's where I hang out. I hang out in the hope of the opportunity that it brings. Okay.
0: The visualization I got was when I tried to Marie Kondo my bedroom, and she makes you take out everything from your closet and lay it out and then decide what you want to keep. And it reminds me of just a quote in the book where it says, realization is not an abandonment of the old it's the reconceiving of it so it's just seeing things in a new light
1: yeah well, that's the opportunity i taught college for many many years and i realized early on that if you had a student who thought he or she was stupid the way to teach that student was not to confirm or agree to their idea of their own stupidity you know it was to see the inherent brilliance or potential that the student has And then people can flower, they can shine, they can lift to that vision. And I I think that the same is true for what we see. We need to look beyond the idea or the names things have been given to the divinity that I hope, if the guides are to be trusted and believed, is present in all things, even when we decide or pretend that it cannot be so.
0: Well, thank you so much for everything that you shared today. I know that your teachings especially have been really pertinent in helping me lift the world to my tone or just seeing things in a way that isn't so dark and gloomy and the possibility of what could be. So for listeners who are really resonating with you, is there anything that you'd like to lead them to, including your new book?
1: I have a website. It's just my name. The book is in bookstores. It's called alchemy that's coming out now which and uh, it's available online barnes and noble amazon indie all those places or bookstores and if you find this work interesting and it speaks to you that it's a benefit that's all
0: all of the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 143 I think it's kind of fitting that this episode, this particular episode, ended up as episode 143, the pager code for I love you. (laughs) Oh, pager code. Who remembers that? Did I just show my age? If you haven't yet gotten into Paul Selig's teachings, I highly recommend them. I love the audiobooks. There's something about his voice that just lulls me into this trance state, which makes it perfect to receive the information that he's giving. Everything that he says is just so mind-blowing. If you're looking for a book to start with, I recommend I Am The Word. It's his very first one, and then just go in that order. But honestly, you can pick up any of the books and start from there, so just follow your intuition. He also offers a bunch of different live streams, both paid and free, so you can find his YouTube channel. But I will tell you, when he is channeling in real life, live, he does this interesting thing where he whispers under his voice and then repeats it which first of all, just makes it even more unlikely that anyone could fake something like this because the speed at which this goes, I can't even reenact it (laughs) without getting confused. So you can just see the flow happening, but it's totally worth it to just witness it for a while, but it can be a little bit harder to follow along with it. Still recommend it though. I like to tune into his live streams about current events because it always just shifts my perspective. What's really cool is he says that the books actually align your energy, whether you read them or listen to them. Something about it is preparing your energy for your next level. So whether you believe that or not, it's still a cool aspect. I have definitely noticed a shift in my spirituality, just a deepening with my understanding of self. So again, I am a huge fan, highly recommend it. If I was leading you towards one spiritual mentor, Paul Selleck would be it. Also, I am opening up Mind Love's Inner Circle again this week to bring in some more members. It's been a blast. We do an episode chat every single month where we just get to know each other. We can bring up things about the episode. You don't have to be prepared or even have listened to the episode because you can still chime into the questions and just deepen our understanding by sharing our own experiences and get to know each other a little bit better. We also do a goal and intention setting call at the beginning of each month. It's been super fun. It's been a great way to connect, especially with all the separateness happening in the world right now. So I would love for you to join. And this will be the last time that this is at this current price. So get in now and just go to mindlove.com premium to check it out. I also want to give a shout out to a new review that I received this week that just totally touched my heart from Thunder Buddy 12. It's a pretty long one, so I'll only read a part of it, but she said, through your struggles, you've become a teacher and in doing so have helped this being start understanding herself and helped me realize I'm not crazy. Love and eternal grooviness to you. <laughs> I Love the way this is written. And thank you. I'm so glad. That's my number one goal is to just be vulnerable with my growth. Be transparent and open and honest. Because for a long time when I was trying to figure shit out, I thought I was crazy too. I thought there's no way people have this big of feelings or have it this hard or dug themselves into this deep of a hole so I'm really glad that me laying all my shit out there is helping you in some way and thank you so much for letting me know. And to everyone, thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week.
2: Thanks for tuning into Your Higher Frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.